Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 10. This one is an exciting one for me. Not just because of who's on, but because I read an article just before I started podcasting that said the average number of podcasts that a person will make before quitting and not wanting to do it anymore or just packing it in is ten. So we made it! Yay! Exciting. Maybe just for me that、uh, knowing my luck, this is all going to go downhill after episode eleven. But for now, woo! Episode ten. This is with Louisa Omulan, and it's one of the DIY series of comedians because she is someone who has worked her butt off and has got to the stage where she went to Edinburgh and did a show that was one of the biggest debut hours in the history of the. Well, I don't know if it's in the history of the Fringe, but we talk about how big it was and how she hasn't won awards or she hasn't really got as much publicity as maybe she should have got from it, and. Just what she did to make all of that happen, how she made word of mouth a thing for her, how she managed to engage with her audience both during the performance and beyond, how she used social media to make sure that they knew she was still going to be talking to them between shows, how she previewed it like thirty-three times, I think she said, to get it right, and just loads of other key information that you should know. If you go into the fringe, you're doing your debut hour, and you want it to go well. I should just apologise. I have a bit of a cold, and as a result, I don't sound amazing. But it's only in the intro and the outro because the actual recording took place about a week ago. So, so sorry about this. We also talked about your shots at making it, and how you don't just get one shot at it, even though it might feel like something is. Amazingly big, and it's not going to like happen for you again. You you get loads of chance at this if you do the right thing. And we also talked about like how focusing on building your audience and your product is way more important than approaching industry. I, I know I and a lot of people I know have approached agents and management and PR way too soon, like just ridiculously soon. And also like we don't have anything to offer them. And that's the reason why they're not going with us, and that makes perfect sense because, in a business point of view, they need to make money from you. So、uh, she talks a lot about that, and that is very exciting for me. 
If you'd like to follow all the questions we talked about, you can find them in the show notes, which is at rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com. Without any more delays, this is Louisa. Can we be done by half past five, if possible? Could Should be fine. Name for that? That would be. That would do me the biggest favour. That should be fine. Okay. Because then I'll have half an hour to wash, get changed, have a ten minute power nap and leave the house. Okay. So I'm at Soho for 6.30. Okay. Is that alright with you? Yeah. So, when I saw you in 2012, you were doing What Would Beyonce Do? Mm -hmm. In, I can't remember the venue, but it was near the Meadows. Uh, At the Meadow Bar. Yeah. Yeah. And... I got there about. I got there in the middle of the fringe, right? And it was full, and uh-huh. I had to sit on the floor. Yes, sir. And yeah, and that no, was fine. I had fun. Um, but was there like a tipping point at that fringe where you were like, "Oh, people are coming. I don't have to fly as much," or was it you know, all the buzz around you? You didn't really notice it. Um, it. I was very lucky. The tipping point was on the first night. So before I went up there, when I went up to the fringe. On my first solo show, I had no heat, so I didn't really have any buzz or any heat or anything, and I didn't have any industry interest or, like, I wasn't listing any of the top ten things or anything. And then, so when I was previewing the show, I think there was one, one comedy blog that mentioned me as a top ten free show to look out for, debut show. Um, I think it was Such Small Portions, or someone like that mentioned it, and I was really, like, over the moon, because I was like, wow, I've finally been mentioned in a top ten thing. And uh, I got to the freedom because I'd worked so hard to preview the show because I hired bars. Like, I wasn't getting booked in comedy clubs. Like, comedy clubs wouldn't book me. They wouldn't book me for a preview. They didn't really care what I did. So I hired bars independently. So I hired gay bars and I put it on in there and then I printed off my own posters and flyers and got people in. But because I'd worked so hard at it, when I arrived in Edinburgh, the first day I arrived, I got a chest infection. And so I had to pull the first two shows and I was devastated because I was like I've worked so hard for this and I can't I literally can't breathe and I found out on my first day that Kate Copstick was going to come in from the Scotsman because I'd emailed her a few weeks before and uh, I emailed her and I said hi Kate look you don't know me I'm a female comedian I know you're not our biggest fans um, but I uh, I know you're a big advocate of the Free Fringe I'm doing a show on the Free Fringe what do I need to do to get you to come and review my show? Because I worked my arse off on it and I think that you'd really appreciate it. Tell me, Kate, what do I need to do to get somebody like yourself to review my show? Because I respect your opinion and I would love the kind of spotlight that you could give me. And um, she wrote back saying, well done, Louise, you've done the first bit right already <laughs> just by messaging with that. And so then when I got an email from her on the first night saying, just checking it's alright to come in tonight. I was like, no! <laughs> this is my one shot and I've lost it. And I, was down, I was like, I'm so sorry, I've got a chest infection, blah, 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 blah. And I had to pull the first two shows. And then I rocked up on the Saturday to do it. And there was a queue. And I was like, oh, why is there a queue? Like, what are they here queuing for? They were like, oh, they're here for your show. I was like, what? Beyonce, are you all here for... What? Oh, oh, um, oh, wow, okay, uh, thanks guys, oh, that's really, wow, I didn't think anybody would come, okay, that's really nice, so, yeah, and it just, it was full. There's something about that show that is just, it's just blessed, it's a freaking blessed, blessed show, somebody's looking out for me with that show, because it's a sellout show, wherever it goes, it seems to do well, so, I'm very fortunate with that little nugget. You have any idea 
why? Like, is it the type? It's got the word Beyonce in it, so it might yeah, be. Beyonce was to a bigger people, but it's a brilliant show. Like now, it gets people because people have seen it. It's a brilliant show. It's a brilliant show. It's got a lot of heart. I don't know of another debut show that's been more successful. I don't know of a single debut Edinburgh show that's been as successful. It's still going two years later. Like it's pretty amazing. And it wouldn't do that if people didn't love it. And I think they love it because they resonated with it. It's got a lot of heart. It's very real, but it's also very funny. It's a fucking funny show. So. Well, I found out about it from word of mouth, mm. and that was big for you, mm-hmm. the, as far as I could tell, mm-hmm. especially Huge. in twenty. Big one. Huge for me, yeah. How did I mean? Did that just start? Because the show is amazing. I've seen yeah. it. Um, but it was. Did you like encourage them to do that? Or Absolutely. Just... That was my only PR. That was the only money I spent on PR was telling my audience to to talk about the show. So because I couldn't get a PR, I tried to get a PR. I couldn't get a PR. PRs turned me down. They were like, "We're not doing your show." And I was like, "I remember I met this PR, this big PR woman. I met her freaking. I emailed her maybe fourteen times saying, look, 'Look, I've got this show. It's called What Beyonce Do. I really think it's going to be like good. I think it's going to be good. I just, I would love if you could help me get a reviewer in. Like maybe just get some people to see it. Like, what do you think?'" And they were like, no, 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 go away, go away, go away. And halfway through the festival, the PR met me and was like, look, I might represent you. Um, blah, 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 blah. And I ended up, it didn't happen in the end. I didn't end up going with her. Um, what was your question again? Well, it was just, how did the word, word of mouth. mouth? Yeah. So then I started saying, because um, cause I didn't care for The Guardian or The Independent or The Telegraph. They're great, don't get me wrong. But I was like... The guys that come in to review that, they're quite like, they're older men. They're middle class, middle aged white men. They're great, but they're not who I'm talking to. Like, So I was like, my, I need my people to tell people about my show. Like, I'm not doing it for your dad. I'm doing it for your girlfriend and your friends and you. Like, I'm doing it for a different audience. So I thought in order to get to them, I was like, you just need to tweet about it. I need you to tweet about it with the hashtag, what would Beyonce do? And I made everybody tweet about it and Facebook about it, and I retweeted the shit out of it. Like, I think I was one of the first few comics that started retweeting all their praise, because I was like, I need other people that would be interested in the show to see what other people that are like them think of it. I don't need them to see what some man from a theatre critic thinks. I don't care. Like, I don't care. I want people that don't normally go to a stand-up show that will come and they will lose their shit at this to come and see it. So how do I access those individuals? That's interesting, because for, for me, whenever I get... It's not as often as you, but whenever I get a tweet saying you did really well, yeah. I feel really self-conscious about retweeting it, because yeah. I think the audience I'm building on there, yeah. I think, oh, how... Not wanky, yeah. but how bad does it look if I'm sort of going, you know, look, I am amazing on stage yeah, as well. Yeah, but that's you. That's not me. That's true. That's so... It's so you... a bit different. Like, like, my whole thing is like, yeah, and what? It's good. And I never retweet <laughs> anything that says, oh, Louise, you're amazing. Retweet. I never retweet that. If I did a gig... And I have a regular gig. I never retweet it. I think it's weird when people say, oh, I saw you last night, you smacked it, and you retweet. It's a bit like, why are you retweeting it? Any critique of the show, when they go, that was the most poignant, hilarious, funny comedy show I've seen in years, I'm going to retweet that. That's a that's a critique of the show. Um, that moved me to tears. I've never felt so moved in a stand-up show before. I'm going to retweet that. That's something that I need people to say. I'm not retweeting going, Louise is amazing, retweet. I'm not retweeting that. Like, you didn't fuck off like I don't need you to know that I'm a mate like that's not yeah, that's yeah. not the point the, the retweets I'm careful what I retweet I retweet stuff that's relevant to the show yeah. and relevant to my performance and relative to how it makes people feel and I also retweet any pictures so anytime people take a selfie I retweet it because it's nice I think they like it when I retweet their selfies yeah, cool. so there is a method behind it it's not just a free for all 
literally. No, no, definitely, definitely. I wasn't trying to. No, I wasn't imply. taking it. Like um, Simon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I was only because I because you, you know I work in social media yeah. for my day job. So yeah. for me, it's fascinating how performers like you are using social media mm-hmm. to communicate with your fans after shows. Yeah. I notice you reply to everyone. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, does that? Does that result in repeat audiences, or does that re- result in them being, you know, sort of, oh, she, she, rec- you know, remembered me? Uh, I don't know if it. I don't know. If, I mean, I do get a lot of repeat audience. Like I've had a lot of people that see my shows again and again and again, and they bring their friends. That's amazing, and I can tell because they shout out stuff before I've done the punchline, <laughs> and I'm a bit like, babe, can we, <laughs> can we wait, please? Thank you. Um, but I. Um, you know, I'm not getting so many tweets that it's thousands that I can't, I don't have time to reply to all of them at the moment. It's just a few, and it's. I think it's if they've taken the time to compose a really thoughtful tweet, I'll take the time to compose something nice back. Do you know what I mean? It takes two seconds to go. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. That's cool. So, and um, in terms of uh, the free fringe versus paid, yeah, you've only done. Well, you did. You did some one-offs. Yeah. With the paid. Yeah. Are you going to continue with free? Is there a I reason? I wouldn't do free fringe again. No, I don't okay. think I would do a free fringe again. It was too much hassle this year. It was just too much hassle to to do. Uh, I had audiences. I was turning away hundreds of people every night. And uh, the logistics of... You needed a whole team behind you to do that. And the acoustics and the amount of people that were coming. And there was problems with the tech and things that failed. And it was just... It, there was too many people. And it was too much going on. Um if I had a production company and I went with a production company I'd do it like that but that's something that I don't want to be worried about I'm putting on an excellent show my shows are excellent I don't want anything about the venue or anything to ruin or spoil the show because the acoustics doesn't work properly or because the bar staff are coming in or like it worked for me for the first few years and I loved it and I would thoroughly recommend it but the way I'm going at the moment with the way my shows are going at the moment I want every there's no line waste in my show every aspect of my show is planned meticulously there is nothing that I want that would defer from giving the audience uh, an epic experience and so I need the environment for that I need everything to be on point for that and um, so unfortunately I just need it in, you know, bigger, bigger venues with with better acoustics, with, you know, d- good lighting and stuff like that. So, are you gonna? Because you do, you're doing what would Beyonce do? Am I right, ladies? And I remember yeah. you said that it's part of a trilogy, or was that a joke? Well, it was a joke, <laughs> but it is a joke. Yeah. So I think of it as a trilogy. So my third show is going to be called Famous with a Baby, and I'm not writing it. It's going to write itself. So people are like, can't wait to see your next show. And I'm like, bitches, do you have any idea how long it took me to write these two? Like, jog on. I'm not giving you another show. You've got two excellent shows. You can wait a bit longer. You mentioned you, mentioned you tried to contact a PR. Mm. Given that a lot of your success is behind word of mouth. I mean, it's still, is it still yeah. behind word of mouth? Yeah, so Soho Theatre. I've got no TV profile. I've got no radio profile. Soho Theatre, the week run sold out a few days ago. Like, it sells out yeah. from word of mouth, mate. Like... My audiences are amazing. They're the best audiences I could possibly wish for. Like, my audiences are phenomenal. Um, the next step is waiting for, you know, something TV or radio, for, like, something profile to come in. That's what we need now, is to raise my profile. Uh, so it's just waiting for the right opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, but word of mouth is definitely very much still at the forefront of everything. It, well, it sounds like... 
this might be in hindsight, you've looked back in hindsight yeah. and that's it. But did you have a plan for the audience you wanted for the show then? No, never, okay. never. I just wanted, I did something called musical bingo, I still do yeah. it, where you play bingo, but instead of music, numbers, you do a music, right? And people come, they come in their groups, they come from right out, just young people that are living in London and older people, but, but groups of people that are sociable, that like to go out for nights out, that have disposable income in terms of they've just paid the rent, they've got, they've got a little bit left over for a couple of drinks and then they'll get the bus home, that kind of income. And they'd come to Musical Bingo, and they'd love it. They'd have a whale of a time. They'd have the time of their lives, right? And then I'd go to stand-up shows, and I'd get so bored. Because I was like, yeah, it's good, but it doesn't move me. It doesn't make me feel, like, empowered. It doesn't feel like a wow. And so I was like, I want my shows to be like a party. I want them to be, I want them to be the show that I want to go to. I want my stand-up shows are the shows that I want to go to. They're my party that I make. And it appeals to a certain, you know, appeals to that audience. But that audience is very mainstream. So it's it's lucky for me, really, I think. Yeah. Treading a line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so word of mouth is still the driving force of your Absolutely, show. Absolutely, yeah. So, but you mentioned before you wanted a PR. What are yes. your thoughts on PRs then now? I love PR. Now I've got a brilliant PR. Okay. The PR I've got at the moment is superb. I absolutely love them. Hello, Charlotte and Katie Phillips, KP for PR. Yes, both. Hello. Um, they're amazing. And uh, I think it's absolutely worth it. A good PR is worth every penny. A shit PR <laughs> is, is a waste of everybody's time and it shouldn't be allowed. Uh, but a good PR is worth it. But do you know what, mate? I have something to sell. The thing is, when I was younger in this game... I was like, I want to be famous, I want to be famous, why is it not working for me? Why haven't I got an agent? Why haven't I got anything? Why is it taking so long? Because what I wanted is I want somebody to come along and go, oh, we'll pick you. Pick a number out of a hat and go, you're the one we're going to make into success. And actually, that's such a load of bullshit. Have something to sell. Have something to create. Have a product to sell. Because then the right team finds you. Now I've got a product. I've got something that's... So now I've got the right people to enable me to do my job. That's what these people are. They enable you to move you forward. If they're doing it all for you, you're with the wrong people and you owe your life to them and then you've got no, you've got no control over your career. That's not a good place to be in. Create a product. I've got a product. I need the PR to help me sell my product. In terms of, do you mean product is your show or is yeah. in you? Yeah, Because you, you are tied heavily into both your show and yeah. your audience. Yeah, so I'm both. So I'm my product now, but, I've, but I know what I am. I've got something to show. So if it's like, if people come and see me do a 10-minute set, that's fine. But I say, come and see me do my show. Like, you want to you wanna epic that out? Babe, come see my show. At what point did you know that you had... Because you have to be very uh, subjective to know that you've got yourself to a stage where you're happy with your product. Yeah. How long did it take you to get to a stage where you were like, this is what I'm doing now, this is what I'm, uh, this is my product? Very quickly, very quickly, through doing the previews, very quickly, I learned very quickly that it was about me and my audience and that's all that mattered. Because my audience saved me, because when I was doing previews for Beyonce, I was so depressed and in a really bad uh, state, frame of mind, I was really uh, hurting all the time and I was depressed at the time. And uh, the only thing that gave me any kind of clarity or just release was just doing the shows and getting that response from the audience. So it didn't matter that my career wasn't going anywhere. It didn't matter that I wasn't making that much money. It didn't matter that I couldn't get a PR or an agent. It didn't matter that I was distraught. I could make people laugh and they felt good and that made me feel good. And it was a very self-fulfilling, <laughs> soothing, nice thing. So very early on that became my baby and that's still very much my baby I don't see, now you kind of see it as a product you're like 
that's how the industry talks so it's business so you've got to see it as business but it's very much my baby like it's my it's a product but it's also it's my life so yeah so so how long into the life of because it will vary show to show Mm. but how long into the life of what would Beyonce do did Mm. you I mean you obviously probably I mean I assume getting quite a lot of industry interest late in the fringe yeah yeah at what point did you go this is bigger than me now I need a team and what do you think is that point I didn't they came to me and they were like you need a team and I was like do I and then you look back and you go you probably didn't need a team (laughs) you could probably do a lot of it yourself Um, but there's there comes a point where you need people to help you that can guide you and know what they're doing and help move you in the right places do you know what I mean because I could book all the venues and I could set up all the meetings and stuff but there comes a time where you go I need to focus on my work. I just need to do brilliant shows. I want you to help me book the venues. I want you to organise a tour. I want you to organise all the TV people coming in. I want you to organise all the meetings. I want someone to have my back that knows where I'm going. And that's when that comes in handy. But that wasn't until that I started seeing the benefit of that. Even a year after Beyonce, do you start like, now I'm comfortable with it. For a long time I was like, ah, I don't like people interfering. This is mine. I built this. This is all my... Why are you touching this? I don't want you taking... No, this is my baby. I still am a bit like that now. <laughs> I'm a bit, you know, because it's precious to me. But um, yeah, now, now I'm comfortable having a team. Okay. In terms of connecting with your audience, then, mm. obviously your show is very honest and mm. very open, and and mm-hmm. you feel like you, I felt like I connected with you very much through mm-hmm. that first hour I spent with you, mm-hmm. and I hadn't really spoken to you before that show. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine for an audience member rather than a performer, yeah. it's much because you know you see enough shows that yeah. it kind of numbs you a bit. Other than, I mean, do you think that's the main reason what why people have like so? For example, I I did an interview with the Londonist for this, right? And I mentioned your name to Rachel from the Londonist. And she lost her shit. She, she? She just went, I love her! And just started, just started shaking her hands to her. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll send you the link when it's up. And she was like, yeah, oh please, do. I'd love to hear what Aww. she has to say. Hi Rachel! Yeah, but, 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 but why do you think your name sometimes for... Or, that, I mean, that's a journalist. That's not even like a regular audience yeah. member. What do, you, do you think it's just you being honest and open? Because they love me. They want to <laughs> marry me. And have my babies. I don't know, because I love them. I love them and I hopefully make them feel good and I make them feel empowered and I'm honest I'm like bitches look this is how it is let's keep it real hello it's ridiculous but let's have a good time and people identify with that okay and in terms of reviewers like them yeah. or like general yeah, 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 yeah. do you invite reviewers now or do you base it they come now now, okay. now they they write asking to come ha 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 how the tables have finally turned <laughs> yeah they come now Yes, and, and it, they come. So before they were coming, were you in, were you inviting them? Oh my god, all the time! <laughs> like sending out a million press releases, sending out a million letters and emails. I can't tell you how many emails and press releases I sent out saying, "Please come see my show. It's called What Would Beyonce Do? I really think people will like it." I just I remember going to Katerina Rana is one of my best oh, friends. I love it. Yeah, cool. And um, I remember like speaking to her right before I went up to Edinburgh with her and Susie Ruffle, another one of my best friends at comedy. And I was like, "Oh, guys, you know, I just hope." I just hope that I can um, maybe just get a review. That'd be great. If I could just go up and if I could get a review and maybe make some money in the bucket, that'd be, yeah, that'd be great. Never in a million years did I realise that a show <laughs> would change my life. That's, so, yeah. That, that's quite a humble way of looking at it. That's, mm. That means you had very low expectations when you went I just up. wanted people to see it. I just wanted people to see it. And I, was, I hoped that it would get me a review. And okay. I, was, I didn't even want to wish for an agent. 
Like, I was like, I just hoped it would get me a review. Okay. And it's gone on to be fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like, it's amazing what it's gone on to achieve. In terms of, um, do, you, do you still, do you like reserve them a seat then now? Or do you sort of go, you can buy a ticket? No, I'm a bit annoyed. Some, a lot of, Debbie gets away with me, my agent, because I'm always like, they can pay, I'm not giving them comps. People want to fucking come, they can pay for a freaking ticket. Because they're taking money out of my pocket by not paying for a, like, ticket. So now I'm a bit stingy and I only give away two comps to industry anymore. They have to pay for it. Okay. And uh, I'm quite selective with who I let in now. So, so Rachel's fine. Rachel. Rachel's fine. But like, I'm a bit like, pay for a ticket. I'm a bit like, if, you want it, if you're going to come and join the show, pay for a ticket. Like, you know. If you're going to review it for a little student blog, 500 people, I, d- I just, I, c- I can sell, it's a sellout show. I'd rather sell it to a hardcore yeah. comedy fan, like a hardcore fan that will come and lose their shit over it and come again and again and again mm. than, than to a man with a dog that wants to write about it. Yeah, when I was chatting to Bruce, I said to him, like, do you do you even take into account the cost of tickets when yeah. you're reviewing stuff? Because yeah. if you get them for free, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, if, if a show's 20 quid yeah. and you review it and you think, it's a great show, but for yeah. 20 quid it's not worth... Yeah. So I sometimes think reviewers... Uh, I mean, he said he doesn't... He looks into that and makes sure he takes that into account. But I sometimes wonder if all of them do that. I don't think they do. I think reviewers are so... They, I don't know. I don't know what I feel about reviewers. Some of them are like... Some of them, I think... It's hard to be a good reviewer. A good reviewer should not give a show away. A good reviewer, um, you shouldn't know what they like. Like, you shouldn't be able to know what a reviewer likes because then it's totally subjective. Like, I shouldn't be able to look at a reviewer and go, of course he's going to love that show because that's his kind. Because then you go, well, why is he a reviewer? Why is he coming to review a show about donkeys when all he likes is fucking monkeys? Like, what the fuck? Like, it makes no sense. So I think there's only a few like good reviewers. Like I, uh, I really like Steve Bennett at Chortle. Mm. Uh, yes, he gave me five stars. That's not why I like him. <laughs> I like him uh, because he's kind of, he's. I think he's quite fair and he's accurate and he doesn't. Um, he doesn't give away the show. And he told me two years ago that I'd amount to nothing more than a Britain's Got Talent um, guest if I was lucky. That's how dire my stand-up was. And then what do you know? Just a few years later. <laughs> Five stars, baby. Tables have turned. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of the star rating system? Uh, I love it, obviously. <laughs> but they should give me five. Like, I don't get it. I don't get reviewers. They come to my show, I get standing ovations for 20 minutes, and they go, oh, three stars. And you go, motherfucker, what do you fuck off? Give it five or I'm not interested. Okay. Like, I get such an epic response from my audiences. When I am shit and I have shit gigs, and I have shit gigs all the time, by all means, it's worth it. But I don't understand reviewers that come. They see an audience absolutely go batshit crazy over somebody. Like, Beyonce gets, like, three-star reviews in the Metro, or, like, three and a half. And you go, it's Beyonce, you moron. It says more about the reviewer than it does about the artist. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, going back to social media a little bit, because mm. that, that sounds like more of the driving force for your... Well, it is, than, than <clears throat> the reviewers. Yeah. What mistakes have you made along the way in trying to build an audience on social media? Probably retweeting everything. I probably lose as many followers as I gain every time I retweet something. Um, I don't know. I should do more YouTube stuff and engage more stuff with them, I think. But I don't really do that. Um, Would you ever put the show up on YouTube for people to... Yeah, I might do. I have have considered that before. But at the moment, um, my people think it's a good idea to save it uh, for a little bit longer. Um, or like a go faster stripe download type thing yeah maybe I think yeah I'd like to I'd like to I definitely I really want my shows online I'd like them to have a one hour special on BBC or something like that 
on you think ITV2. It would, do you think it would lose something, though, as a down... Because well, there's so much in the... Yeah, there's so much. But the thing is, I love the... You, like people say, oh, yeah, I've seen bits of your show on YouTube. There's a couple of clips on YouTube that are like three minutes long that I didn't upload that I hate that people have access to because that's not the show. The show is an experience. So I don't, I don't think you can beat live. It would be great to have it on TV if you could capture the live atmosphere because then it would just be great to bring it to a wider audience and, and introduce to people and, and have more people enjoy your stuff. However, if you do that at the detriment of the show, like it doesn't look as good, then it's not worth it. It's mm. worth just keeping it live and touring it. Mm. So, yeah. Do you, do you ever think you can be too open with your audience? Like, too honest about subjects? Uh, not if it's funny, no. Okay. No. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I was... I, Damn it. Because <laughs> that, that basically answers two questions in oh, one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, because well, cause the second part of that question was going to be, a lot of people say stuff like, oh, you know, I find it funny. Yeah. Maybe I just haven't found the audience for that joke yet. Yeah. Do you think there's something to that? Or do you think what? there's... What? I find it funny. I haven't... So, like, if you, you, know, you know when you write something, you think, oh, I think that's funny. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And then you go and do it live, like yeah. at an open mic night or something, and they don't find it funny. Yeah, fuck them. Do it anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of your hashtags yeah. for each show, yeah. how useful have you found those in separating... The, I mean, are they because they're the same audience, or I assume they're similar yeah. audiences. yeah. Is it just so that people can track the conversation of the two, or have you done it for another reason? It's it's just two shows, and that's the title of both shows, and so if you're going to tweet about the show, just tell me which show you're tweeting about. Okay. I thought there was more. It's that simple. No, there's no... um, There's no thing behind it more than that. Like, it's literally just that. And that the titles are on purpose, because they're nice enough titles that would interest somebody if they didn't know it was a stand-up show or a comedy show and they saw something with a hashtag I went right lady they'd be like oh what's that I like that expression or what would Beyonce do they go oh what's that like now all of a sudden people tweet me freaking mugs and pictures of what Beyonce did I'm like you motherfuckers like you've taken my freaking you know 
So did you? Pl- is that why you planned the title then? Was that did I go? Of course, and- yeah. You don't just put any old title on it. The title's got to be. The title's a massive part of the, of the, promotional process. It's got to be appealing. Am I right, ladies? It's everything that the show is. It's 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 a follow up to Beyonce. I say, am I right, ladies? And Beyonce, it's it's talking about lots of stuff that are relative to me. It's making it very clear who I'm talking to. It's got attitude. It's cocky. It's fun. It's sexy. It's like yeah, it's everything. So, what were the rejected titles that got you to? I never had one. I was I always knew it was going to be am I right, ladies. And would Beyonce the same? Beyonce, I was going to call it. Um, I love Louisa. The I love Louisa show, uh, Louisa Omiland strikes again show. I don't know, <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was going to call it. Is that where your domain name's I love Louisa? Yeah, well, that's because nobody can spell Omiland. And then uh, I was like, oh, fuck it, I love Louisa. And I bought it like six years ago. And now I'm like, oh, well, thank God that sticks. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you say that your, your following on social media sells tickets then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. When I had previews, I'd tweet about a preview. It would sell out within a couple of hours. I mean, it was a free show, but like I'd have like ninety tickets, and within a few hours, it would sell out. So this this would be um, when you like two thousand and twelve. We're talking. No, about? no, no, no. Without okay. my right ladies, when I was previewing my right ladies, right. I would do a tweet out with an Eventbrite link saying, "Here's free tickets to my show," and it would sell out within a few hours. And that's when I started going, "Shit, I've got some pulling power here. That's amazing." <laughs> and. Of those 90 tickets, did all 90 show up, or was it like... No, a, never, okay. never, because you don't have room for 60, but they'd all sell out, they'd all be full, yeah. Okay, and and so when they came for that, mm. was it quite stressful, because well, cause when you're doing a preview, your show's not really finished already yeah. yet, and when, I've seen both your shows, and, and they feel very much like, like pieces, Yeah. so I imagine when you're doing previews, yeah. are people a little bit, not disappointed, but are they... Are yeah, they... yeah, it's difficult, because you go, oh shit, this is... Um... I hope you're not disappointed because this is not a finished body of work. This is very much, like I say, a work in progress. So you feel bad because you don't want to disappoint them. Uh, but that's why you really downplay it. Like You cannot stress enough. This is a work in progress. This is a work in progress. Like, there's no bells and whistles. I have no bells and whistles in it. Like, I have no fancy dress. I'm not dressed up to the nines. I'm dressed like I keep it very casual, very freeform. Don't even have a mic. I make it look as, you know... Uh, workshop as possible to get them on the same page as me I don't try and deliver it like a polished show like mm. I would never do that you're setting yourself up for a mm. for, you, well it's hard I think to match that if you if you set it up like a polished show it's very difficult I can't, I certainly can't do that so are there so other than social media are there certain outlets you try and uh, publicise that on so that you can get more people in outside uh, of your own no just Twitter and Facebook okay but then it's nice because people like the Londonist or Time Out pick it up often and then they run it. Yeah. So that's nice. Okay. You've, I don't want to say extended your brand because that sounds really businessy, mm-hmm. but you've you've built further than your shows now and you've got a ball coming up for Valentine's. Yeah. That is, um, fancy dresses, trainers is the dress code. Ball gowns and trainers, yeah. Ball gowns and trainers. Yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. I, I don't have a ball <laughs> <Fancy> gown. dress. <laughs> um, the, the, the dress code, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that like... What, how did that idea come about? That's just part of my branding. That's part of my show. So last year, I've done that for a while. Last year, I did a Beyonce party. So I did my show, hired a venue, did what Beyonce do, followed by Destiny's Child and R&B Classics all night long. My boy, Ollie Stock, who DJ'd. He works for me at Musical Bingo. And uh, we just had a party after the Beyonce show. Because so many times people come to the show and they go, I want to go out dancing now. And I was like, why am I not giving them that? And so as a treat, last year, I just did it as a one-off. 
then it worked amazingly. And then on Valentine's Day, I thought, oh, for all the single ladies, this makes perfect sense. Do my show on single, like on Valentine's Day. And people came and they had a great time. And we had a great night out both times. And I thought, this year, I've got to do it again. Like, it seems such a waste opportunity to not do that. Because I've had Valentine's Day where I stay in or you pretend to fake depression with your friends. And you're like, oh, I'm going to... But it's, nobody cares, really. Like, But it's nice to... If you can do something really fun on Valentine's Day to make it an experience, it's lovely. So this year, I was like, I definitely want to do a party for Valentine's Day. I want to do Am I Right Ladies followed by a party. And then the only venue I could find was the Assembly Hall in Islington that was available that day. And it's very grand in there. It's like an old town hall. It's very grand. And I was like, oh, this isn't dirty enough. It's not grimy enough for my R&B party. So then I was like, how can I make it more... Of course, I'll make it into a fucking ball. Um, so then it's like all the dresses that girls have got that they haven't had an opportunity to wear, the ones that you've got in your closet that you don't wear, that you don't have an occasion to wear it to wear that like whatever whatever you want to wear to make yourself feel amazing babe wear that come along we'll have a good time and trainers so, and trainers yeah because I can't bother to be walking around in heels I've got bad knees <laughs> And but I mean I assume that and this sounds really businessy again but builds that connection with your audience yeah it's a brand it's on purpose I have to do that that's part of my branding that's what I do as a comedian I give my audiences a good time I give them a party I make them feel good I'll do it on the one day of the year that everyone's commercially talked about being single or being in love I'll do it on that day. I'll give my audience what they want. Like, my stand-up is more than just my stand-up. It's all these things. So absolutely, it's important for me to branch out and and connect with them on that level. So you've put yourself in the mind of... Because you are part of your audience as well in a mm. certain way. Yeah. So you've just put yourself in your own mind and gone, yeah. I don't want to be in on Valentine's. No, I'm very business like that. I'm very... Like, every everything I do about my show, every aspect of it, I've created and I've come up with. Like, so this party, that's my idea. Like, I want that. Like... Yeah, it's it's business, but it's it's branding. It's it's um it's also a bit of a gift to your audience. Like this Valentine's, I'm not going to make much money if this Valentine's for you. Joking. The amount of cost it's to put to put on, but I want to do it. I want people to have an epic night out. I want it to be good fun for people. Okay, and your Soho runs you've mm. done. Um, did you when you first got the first Soho run? Yeah. Was that a transfer from Edinburgh? Yeah. So I did it on the Free Fringe, and then I um, signed with Mick Perrin at the time lovely Mick Perrin and then I um, I wanted to do it for free in London for eight weeks at the Comedy Cafe and people were like oh you shouldn't be doing it for free anymore and I was like no no no, no I want to do it for free once a week eight weeks and I started uh, doing this saying oh on Twitter and Facebook if anyone wants to come message me and then I started getting emails booking tickets in advance and it sold out like in advance like the week sold out and I was a bit like oh this is a bit crazy and then uh, <clears throat> Lee from the Soho Theatre came who's with the Gimps he came down to watch it and Shappy Shandy mentioned it to them as well. Shappy had not seen it, but she mentioned it to Soho. There's the show, there's this girl, she's doing this Beyonce show. And Lee came, and he came up to me afterwards, he said, we'd love to book you in for Soho Theatre. And I was like, oh, um, wow, thank you so No, I can't, I don't think I could, nobody will buy any tickets, don't bother, nobody's going to buy, thank you, wow, oh my God. But that, that was probably the biggest news I'd had, like, that was probably the most excited I've ever been to hear anything, because I was like, oh, so, so that's somewhere I've always wanted to have my name on it, the Soho Theatre thingy, right? And then, um, and then, uh, Mick Perrin sent me an email a few days later. He's like, we've booked you in for 10 nights. I was like, what? 10 nights? No one's going to buy tickets. You can't do 10 nights. I can't do 10 nights. I want you to sell two tickets. What are you talking about 10 nights? And I was like, what room is it in? They were like, it's in the main house. I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and I shat myself. And, uh, I was like, it's not going to sell. It's not going to sell. It's going to be so embarrassing. I'm going to be so embarrassed. It's the first time that I'm going pro. No one's going to, I'm just a free fringe girl. No one's going to 
buy tickets. No one's going to pay any attention to me. Why would they buy a ticket? No one's going to buy a ticket. They're going to hate it. And I did it the first night, and I was so nervous, and I hated every second of it because I was so nervous. And then after a couple of nights, I was like, oh, Mama's found her playground. <laughs> and it was just a joy. And I've had seven runs there now. This is my seventh run, so. Do you think you'll ever get some sort of, uh, I don't want to say um, residency there, but do you think they'd ever sort of say... I'd like to. We'd have you... Yeah, we've spoken about, I suppose to Steve Locke about like doing like a regular night there. It's just timings because it's, you know, they they book brilliant shows and I'm, I've been lucky enough to be quite busy recently. Like I've been travelling around quite a lot. Like in the last year I've been to Singapore, Helsinki, Toronto, Montreal, Los Angeles, New York, Belfast, Dublin, do you know what I mean? Up and down the country. Like, you- so it's just finding... A day a month that you can definitely do. Are you received the same? Like, is it a universal kind of? People like it, but it's not. There's nothing like Soho Theatre in London. Okay. Nothing like it. Was it management that said, you know, we'll we'll organise you a tour, as it were, and you can take it around? No, it was people that got in touch and then kind of said, "Oh, do you want to come out here? Do you want to come out here?" And then I got um, myself and Debbie went out to LA, and uh, we, we hired a little theatre in LA just ourselves hired this little theatre 60 seater and we put our show on and there's a chance we're going to lose a lot of money and the first night I had 12 people in the audience and I was like what am I doing here and then eventually like because of the back of that I signed to an American agent so I got an American agent who then invited me back and I went to New York and did some dates in New York Um, and then off the back of that I got Montreal Toronto Festival and then off the back of that I got Montreal Festival and then off the back of that I got an American manager so it's all it's amazing what one just do something just do something just do something and put your all into it and it's amazing what comes at the back of it it's amazing that when you're doing the right thing and you're on the right track how life falls into place the amount of times I've knocked my head against brick walls and it hasn't happened when I say brick walls I mean boys you know (laughs) when you follow things that aren't meant for you and everything's saying no no and you're like I swear this is the way forward and then the one day you go fine I'll just do what my heart suits me even though it's not going to get me anywhere, I'll just put my all into this. And then you're like, oh, do I want to go to Singapore? Do I want an American manager? Do I want to have a... Oh, wow, I'm so lucky. Why is all this happening? Oh, because it's the right thing to do. Like, you know. So it's a, so, in your, so in your description, I don't know if I put words in your mouth, yeah. it's a case of forget money for a bit, in a way, mm, and just absolutely. do the thing you care about. Yeah. And So I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no now I care I, about money. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, you should care about money. Money's important. Money's there to be made. You should care about money. You should be know what comes in and what you get, and you should you should account for that. But just do what feels true to you and work hard at it, and don't let somebody tell you that you can't. Mm. If someone's telling you that they can't, you can't. They're not the person to be supporting you. Mm. I've always wanted to do this. My whole life, I've pursued it, and people are always like, and even now, you get haters and you get shit and you get people and you go, do you know what? suck my dick I'm having a good time and I feel good it's, there's enough room for everyone there is enough room for everybody to have a big slice of cake but you've got to it's, it's got to come from a true place it's got to come from a true place and you've got to work at it you've got to really work at it make it excellent make it excellent not just for you but for the people that are coming in to see it make it fucking excellent when, when you were doing your previews mm. How often did you pre? Was it every night or was oh, it? Oh no, you're joking. A couple of times a week. I did like 33 previews for Beyonce, and then I did maybe 30. Am I right? 
and and I assume it changed over that course yeah, that time. Of course. Was it like you got to like get, you got to like fifteen and you were like, okay, I'm going to just try it five times in a row like this and not change no, it. No, I'm not. I'm not that anal. I'm okay. quite um. So that like one day I'd go up and be like, oh, I'm just going to do it like this, and the next day I'd be like, oh, they really liked all that clowny physical stuff, so I'll just do pure clowny in this one. Oh, this one. What if I just play songs throughout this one? Uh, what if this one I put the clowny and the music and the thing? Oh, okay, I'll try that. Oh, that kind of worked. Oh, that didn't really work. How about in this one, you just forget everything you've written and just go up there and see what you can come up with? No, nope, didn't work. Okay, let's go back to the like every time, play with something different. Yeah. And what? And how were you? If because obviously were they making those were making you money or were they free? No, it was free fringe. Free fringe. No, free I mean your fringe. previews. Yeah, free fringe. Oh, you mean you previewed it in Edinburgh the year before? Oh, sorry, I did it in a. I'm talking about Brighton Fringe Festival, so I did. I put oh, okay. myself in Brighton, so I did it on the free fringe there, and then okay. I did it in venues around in London, but I just did it free. So I did a bucket collection at the end, and people thought it was worth anything. They put money in the bucket. So you were still day jobbing, as it were. Uh, no, point. I went full time after Beyonce. Okay, okay. Before Beyonce, yeah. Were you? Um, were you still open mic? I mean, like... Yeah, you... not even open mic. Like, open mic, I wasn't getting any paid gigs. And let me tell you, the last two years, I've not had many paid gigs. People wouldn't... But even after all the success of Beyonce, I couldn't get a paid 20. I was asking to do open spots, do five minutes in places, go up and down the country, do... After I was selling out central London theatres, and you go, this is bullshit. <laughs> I've sat out solo shows, and you still won't even give me five minutes. And now I've got Charlotte, who's a really good agent, my live agent, who's got me gigs... And now it's starting to come together and get me gigs. But this industry is ridiculous. I can have sell-out shows, but they won't book me for a club set. You can have a club set, but you won't do a well on the sell-out show. You've just got to figure out what it is you do and do it well. And, uh... Yeah, like, I love comedy. I love all aspects of comedy. I love doing sets. I love being in clubs. But nothing makes me happier than doing my solo show in a big theatre. Well, that's fascinating to me because... From my perspective of you, mm. you sell out these shows. You, you're a very funny person. You, you're such a business-minded person, and yet you can't. Not you are getting. Open, you're only getting yeah. open spots. Yeah. On, so is that because promoters? Because they go, oh, yeah, to- she can do a show, but can she do twenty minutes? How can she do that in twenty minutes? I can't do that in twenty minutes. That's why it takes a fucking hour and a half. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> like, you can't do like my shows take people an emotional journey. It's hard. To, it's, I haven't figured out how to do that in twenty minutes. Like, now I'm getting better at just being like, gag, 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 20 minutes. But it's a different kettle of fish. So it's, so it, again, not putting words in your mouth, but your best bit of advice there is, have a commercially viable 20 minute set, Mm. and then go off and write your show separate. No, I would say, do what you're good at, and stop boxing yourself. Because people say to me, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. And you just go, do you know what, I'll just do what I can when I can. Find something you do well. And do it really fucking well. Okay, and that that, that answered both questions really. Um, oh, sorry, improv yeah. question. One last improv question. Yeah, go for it. Um, do you have any improvisation classes in London that you would recommend? Um, no, but Hoopla Improv are great. Steve Rowe runs that, so they they know everything about everything. Definitely go see them. There's some amazing improv in London. It's really nice that the scene is really developing. Um, my friend Maria Peters and Lauren Shearing do a double act. You should definitely go see them. Um, who, who are your favourite comedians in improv, other than that? Uh, uh, Lauren Shearing, Maria Peters, Rachel Anderson. Um, they're my girls, really. That's about... There's brilliant improvisers. There's lots of brilliant improvisers, but they're kind of my crew. And yeah. do you have any um, 
shows or DVDs or even um, books by comedians that you'd recommend for people who maybe want to just see fantastic works of... Um, Is it really bad if I say no? (laughs) No. Only because I don't really watch or read other comedians' stuff. Okay. I know that's bad. Um, Is there a reason for that? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. What don't you like about it? I don't. It? I don't want to watch it. I don't like. I'll watch it sometimes to see the craft behind it, but I don't want to analyse you and see. I don't. I don't like doing it. I. Want, I just want to go on stage and figure out what I'm trying to do, and figure it out and get better at that. I don't like because I mimic people. If I st- if I hang around with an Australian too long, I'll end up talking like with an accent. Like so, if I watch too much of something. I'll find myself going on stage. Like, when I was in America, and I was dying, and this kid where I was dying in my hole, and I was like, they're not going for my material. And I was like, oh, do the joke about whatever. And I was like, that's not your joke. That's your mate's joke. What are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, just say it. Just just save yourself. Say your friends. Say fucking Katarina's joke. And I was like, you can't do something as a joke. That's amazing. And so I don't ever want to... I don't ever want to do it. I don't ever want to... I don't... I just... I know it's bad, and I probably should... But no. I like watching other stuff. Like I watch, like I watch Beyonce, and I go, "How do I bring that to comedy?" Or I watch fucking Crystal Gale power ballad videos. I'm like, "How do I bring that to stand up?" I when I watch a, a, like a pop punk musician or something like that, yeah. who are bouncing around the stage, yeah. they've got bounds of energy. Yeah. I'm quite low energy in general. Yeah. So for me, I'm watching it going like. And the thing is, when I go and see them, yeah. I'm jumping up and down like yeah, the yeah, best yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Amazing, yeah. And I wish I could do that in a funny way in comedy without it being slapstick I hate yeah. I'd hate to just get on stage and pogo it and yeah, be like yeah, let's yeah, do a yeah, joke yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's so was it just trial and error or was it a case of you you were like because I remember um, in, on the ComCom pod you mentioned oh I was just going to try and uh, do, do a track per joke yeah. or I was going to do that yeah. was it just or was that just a moment where you were like I don't know walking around and go and like while you were going over no, the it was everything it was everything could you manage your anything I'd done improvisation at Chicago so I'd done clowning and improvisation I'd done musical bingo where it's hosting and it's a party I'd done straight stand up I'd done double act shows I'd done shows for kids so you take all the little skill sets from all of those things you go how can I match them up Sister Act has a brilliant quote and Sister Act won um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg goes to the head priest woman, right? And she's like, oh, they loved it today in mass. Everyone lost their shit. And the woman is like, no, no, this is a church. This is a this is a mass. This is not um, a casino. This You've completely ruined my church. And Whoopi Goldberg says to her, but that's the problem with the old mass. That's exactly the problem. People like going to casinos. They like going to music concerts. They like going to parties. They don't like coming to church. Why? Because it's boring. And I remember watching that, and I've always thought of that with my stand-up. I go, people like going to parties. People like having a night out. They don't like going to stand-up. Why? Because it's boring. So how do I make my fucking stand-up like a fucking event? But do you, but do you think that now you do that... By the way, I know, I know not all people... People love going to stand-up. Stand-up is a great art form. I'm just talking about my very minuscule, specific part of art form. I'm not disrespecting any other comedians, because I think they're all brilliant, and I love that there's lots out there for everyone. I'm literally just talking in relation to my work. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it, I when I think of if someone says to me, you know, I really want to go and see like a, a really upbeat, banging, you know, party show, which they don't say it like that. Yeah. But if they say something of those lines, I go, Louisa. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, do you think there's room for another show or another person who does like not what you no. do? 
Yeah, that's the thing. No, it's my... But also, but I'm, I'm a great stand-up. Don't just think it's a party show. It's not a party... It's a great stand-up show. Take away all the parties. I've got excellent jokes, excellent writing. It stands well in itself. I think people get confused because they go, oh, it's just high energy at a party. And you go, no, more for you for thinking that. Because you take all of that away, it's an excellent show with an excellent message. But I'm just delivering it as a performance. And in the UK, we don't like performance. It's too American. It's very American to be a showman. And we don't like showmen in the UK. And what I am is a showman. So the, the quality of work stands on itself, but I deliver it with pizzazz. You People s- don't like pizzazz. You say no one likes a showman, but you're selling out. So Oh, I know. I'm talking about, like... Uh, I guess maybe comedy snobby people. Okay. Okay. Uh, and yeah. if you sorry, one last thing. If you had one bit of advice, then like just just for someone taking their first debut show to the fringe, what would it be? Uh, don't put your name in the title. It's not all about you. Make it about the audience. Make it about you, but make it about your skill sets of how you can entertain an audience. What is your show? doing to entertain other people I don't care about your shitty little sob story if it means nothing to me what's the point of it what is the point of it make it truthful make it honest and be true to yourself in it stop copying other people make it true to yourself what are you trying to say be specific and fucking preview the life out of it don't do two gigs and then try and go up and be like oh I want to have like a Beyonce show no mate work hard at it that was Louisa Oh God, I love talking to her. She's so inspiring. She's so vibrant and and knows what she's talking about and so business-minded and so aware of where she's at in the industry, which is something that I I struggle with and I'm pretty sure lots of people struggle with because we're either really down on ourselves because there's someone we're comparing ourselves to and it's not going as well or we're really up ourselves because we've had a good gig and we're now comparing ourselves to people who are down and comparison is the worst thing we can do but we do it anyway and but she she's not doing that she even I mean we even said at the end there where it's like is there room for someone else who does what you do and she's like no that's mine that's what I do and she gets that and she gets where that's at and it's oh it's so great if you're new here hit the subscribe button I've got so many cool guests coming on. I've just got some confirmation of some TV people, some radio people, some more agents and another reviewer. It's going so well at this end. It's really exciting in the flat that I live in um, or studio, whatever you want to call where I am. Uh, If you liked this, if you could leave a positive review on iTunes, that would really help. It really helps. I'm not going to say it again. If, if you're new here, listen to another podcast and you'll hear me banging on about why it is useful. But trust me, it's really, really helpful to me and I cannot thank you enough for doing it. If you have a moment, please share the podcast with someone. Um, it'd be really helpful if you just gave them the iTunes, the Stitcher or the website link so they can stream it live from wherever they are at work and pass it on. My downloads have been picking up recently and it's so exciting. I can't believe how many people are listening to it now. And it peaked, actually, on the 14th of February. That's right, Valentine's Day was the day that most of you felt felt the need to download a podcast. Either you, I mean, I hope you had a lovely day with me through podcasts. If you're ignoring your significant other while listening to me, I hope it worked out well for you and you're still going out. If you were alone and I gave you some company, you're welcome. So just pa- so yeah, just pass the links around uh, to all the different areas and recommend a friend. If every one of you recommended a friend, well, the audience would double if they listened to it. Obviously, that's how mass works. But just keep passing it around. Uh, keep sharing it. 
Um, if you really love this and you want to support the show, I've actually had to fork out for a new laptop recently because my other one died and I'm really worried because I've got three podcasts on there that I haven't obviously uploaded yet and I'm really worried about what data I've lost as well. So uh, if you want to support the show, you want to give me a pound or two, it'd be really helpful. There's a PayPal button on the website. Just hit the button and take it through and I'll get an email and I'll email you back and say thanks and stuff. That'd be great. I've also put click to tweet buttons on all the blog posts or the pages on the website. So if you click to tweet, it will make you a tweet and ask you to confirm before you hit send. But it will make you a tweet that has my at handle, the guest at handle, the hashtag for the show and a link to share. And then you can write in wherever you want. So like I really enjoyed Simon Kane's interview with Louisa great hashtag RC Industry Podcast and that way I can find you and thank you for doing that and I do that for everyone uh, on a regular basis so please do mention me in it so I can thank you because genuinely it means a lot to me that everyone who's doing that is doing that so thanks final bit of news we now have a group on Facebook if you type in RC Industry Podcast it should come up if you type in uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash RC Industry Podcast all one word, like no gaps or anything, then it should take you there directly. Please join. It's really good. Uh, I get to share like unique content with you guys. And also we're going to have discussions in there. If you want to talk about anyone who's on the podcast, suggest people you want on the podcast, talk about things that were discussed in the podcast, podcast, lots of words around the word podcast, just join. It's a good thing to join. Also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at This Made Me Cool. Uh, coming up next week is Jeff Whiting. I'm sorry that he wasn't on this week. I should explain. Um, I've been quite ill, like I said, and we had to reschedule our interview, but which meant that I didn't have time to edit it. Also, the fact that I didn't have a laptop made editing a real ball like. <laughs> so as a result, that'll be out next week. That's going to be a fairly long one. Um, so hopefully it will be worth the wait. Uh, and obviously this one's only available in one part. I should say that because it's an hour. But anything longer than an hour, so anything longer than 90 minutes, I'll be splitting. I've done it that way, because that way I don't have to split hour-long podcast. Who wants an hour-long podcast in two parts, really? Um, if you do, just download the file and split it yourself. Enjoy it. So thank you so much for listening again. Thank you so much for sharing, subscribing, and, and donating. Really appreciate all your help. I'm going to shut up now. Have a lovely week. See you next Thursday. Bye! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.